For more information about First Baptist Church, visit our website at fbclewisville.org. Thank you so much, praise group, musicians, everything for, for just creating the, the, right, the right way for us to come in before the presence of God. I just thank you that I can, if you can't, if you can't preach after a worship like that, then there's something wrong with you. I mean, I, you know, and uh, y'all may think I can't preach anyway, but we're going to give it a shot anyhow. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, we're going to be looking at verse 11 as we continue our look at, at what, it, what it means to be an irresistible church. A church that's not a church that's irresistible to man, but a church that is irresistible to heaven. What, what do we need to do? How do we need to be? What, what do we need to, to, uh, to do to align ourselves with the will and the plan of God, both individually as members of the church and as when we come together as the body of believers, what, what do we need to do for First Baptist Church Louisville to be a church that's irresistible to heaven? Because I'll tell you, as we become irresistible to heaven, as we become a church that, that heaven can't help but be a part of, then we will become a church that's irresistible to people. People will be drawn to the church that is obedient. They will be drawn to the church where the Word of God is preached. They will be drawn to the church where, where, where people sing and they praise, and it's legitimate and it's authentic. Let me tell you something. In, in today's world, people are drawn to authenticity because so much in our world is not. So much of our world is just fake. So much of our world is, so, is just superficial. People yearn. The world yearns. We as the church yearn for authenticity. And as we do that, as we yearn for that, as we become authentic, the people around us who are searching for meaning and purpose and significance in their lives will yearn for authenticity as well. And they'll be drawn to Jesus Christ. And as they're drawn to Jesus Christ, and as Jesus transforms them and makes them new, then the church will be transformed. And that's what we're about James 4, 8, and 10 is kind of the, uh, kind of the two verses that are the, uh, I guess, the home base verses for our study in becoming the irresistible church. And that's this. This is what the Bible says we need to do to become irresistible, to become an irresistible church. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. So as we draw near to God, as we study, as we praise, as we worship, as we seek God in every aspect of our lives, we draw near to Him. And as we draw near to Him, He is going to draw near to us. And we can't draw near to God to understand the majesty, to understand the magnificence and the power of God. We cannot have that experience without being humbled. Because God will show us just how desperately we need Him. And that will become a part of who we are. Our desperate need for a Savior, our desperate need for Jesus Christ, our desperate need for the, the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, our desperate need for all that will, will draw us to that so we will humble ourselves in God's presence. And as we humble ourselves in His presence, then He will exalt us. Why? Because it's not us being exalted, it's God being exalted. It's God doing these things in our lives, it's not us doing it. We're just obedient. God does the rest. We're obedient. Let me ask you this. We're going to take a look at, uh, at um, the next 
attribute of, a, of an irresistible church in just a second. But the title of this message today is Risky Business. We're involved in what we see, what we think is a risky business, right? We rely completely on God. We surrender ourselves completely. We humble ourselves before Him. That is everything that the world tells us not to do. The world tells us to be self-sufficient. The world tells us not to rely on anybody else or anything else except ourselves. The world tells us that we're all we need. But the Christian understands that that's simply not the case. We're never everything we need. Jesus is everything we need. And so as we surrender ourselves to Him, to those around us, that may look a little risky. Have you ever wrestled with God? Have you ever wrestled with God when you sense He wanted you to take a risk? You know, those of you who, who know um, my story how I came to be a pastor, will know that I wrestled with God for a long time about this calling in my life. I wrestled with Him. I didn't, I, I, I just, I felt like there was always somebody else who could do it, that I didn't need to do it. I felt like I could serve Him where I wanted to serve Him, doing the work that I thought I wanted to do. And God just kept on. And I kept, I kept trying to impress God with everything else I was doing. And because what it really boiled down to is I didn't want to take that leap. I was comfortable and happy doing what I thought would please God. But God calls us all to be stretched. That's how we grow in faith. That's how we grow in our Christ-likeness. That's how we grow, is by being stretched beyond where we think we could be. And I want to tell you, I was afraid. I wrestled with God. I didn't want to do this. I tried to do all the things that, 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 I, that I could do to convince myself. I prayed. I fasted. I really got into God's Word. I talked to people who had, who had made the transition. There are a lot of, I didn't realize, there, were just a, there are a lot of pastors who used to be lawyers. Something about the law will just run you to the, to the Lord. I can tell you that right now. But I talked to folks who had made that transition. I talked to folks that had, that had done that. And I, and I wanted to find out how they, how they dealt with it. The change in the culture. The change in, in everything. And, 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 and I, I talked to them about that. I talked to my family. I talked to Elgin a lot about it. She and I, she knew, she and I had been dating since college. And she knew that I'd been struggling with this. And that, that I would struggle for a while. And then God would let me try to figure it out for myself. And then... I would struggle a little while longer and God would let me figure it out, try to figure it out for myself. Until I finally reached the point where God said, okay, we're ready to, I'm ready for you to, to do what I've called you to do and to take that chance. I'm ready for you to, to do something on faith and not faith in you and faith in me, God says. And so, you know, for a long period of time, I struggled with this and then and then it just became abundantly clear using some of these things we're going to talk about that God used in my life to make it abundantly clear to me that this is what I wanted, that this is what he wanted me to do. And the question is, is will I be obedient to that? And I, this is not unusual. I think all of us have been through something in our lives. It may not be with a call to ministry. It may not be with a call to a specific kind of work. But I think God has dealt this way with all of us in our lives in a way where, where God... Hey, he places something before us that he wants us to do, a mission that he wants us, or a challenge that he wants us to have. And he, he gives us these things, and then he, then, he's, then he wants to see our obedience in that. 
And we say, gosh, that's a, that's a huge risk. I don't know if I can take that risk. When we understand that God wants to do something big in our lives, something big is going to happen, and that we shouldn't stand in His way if He wants to do something big, and He wants to use our life or our ministry, or He wants to use uh, the personality characteristics that He's given us or the resources that He has provided to us. If He wants to do that, then we shouldn't stand in His way. As, as a person, as a Christian, as a child of His, as a church, we just shouldn't do that. We might see this move that God wants us to do as taking a huge risk, but God doesn't see it as a risk. See, heaven sees it as faith. Heaven sees it as faith. Heaven defines the risks we take for the Lord as faith. We may see a risk as unsettling, maybe even frightening, but when we keep ourselves in the center of God's will, when we are firmly planted in the center of God's will, listen, even a risk is safe. Even a risk in our mind is safe if we're, if we're in the center of God's will. Let me ask you this. Are you sensing a, a, the Lord's call to risk something for the sake of the gospel? Do you feel like God is dealing with you to, to risk something that it may even be your comfort for the sake of the gospel. Even if you're at a place of comfort or stability or, or effectiveness in your life, change may be right around the corner. Change may be right around the corner. You may fear that new beginning, but if God is calling you to step forward, there's no safer path that you can take. If God is calling you to do something in your life, if God is calling you to start a ministry, if God is calling you to volunteer for a, a ministry that's already taking place, if God is calling you to uproot your family and to move to a place, if God is calling you into missions, if God is calling you into a new field of work, there is never a safer place to be than where God wants you to be. Why? Because God, number one, has already been there. And He is ready for you. And number two, God is walking with you every step of the way. The tenth trait of an irresistible church, a church that God loves to bless, is that it takes risks. Now, I know what you're getting ready to say. Wait a minute now. We're Baptist. We're not big on risk-taking. We're kind of big on if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're kind of big on taking measured steps. But let me tell you something. I believe that God is ready to bless the church. God is ready to bless the person that is willing to be obedient and take risks for the sake of the kingdom. A risk in this sense is when a church steps forward or steps out in faith to minister in, in new kingdom building ways. To do things new, even old things, to do them in a new way. She responds in obedience to the leading of God. Wherever God wants us to go, that's where I want to be. I, it doesn't matter to me what it looks like. It doesn't matter to me how long it takes to get there. If God wants us to be there and God is in the activity, if God is in the challenge, if God is issuing this to us, then y'all, that's where I want to be. And it ought to be where we want to be as well. Risking something seldom feels good. I mean, let's just be honest. Seldom feels good, particularly not initially. 
I mean, when we're called to risk something, it, it's, a, it's kind of a panicky feeling. You know, I like it where I am. I like it in my bubble. I like it where it's comfortable to me. I like it where it's, it's easy. Some folks who, who are, are called to risk something find it, you know, disturbing. They find it upsetting. They may even find it the idea of doing something like that crazy. I mean, why would anybody want to disrupt comfort and stability? That's kind of what we strive for in life, isn't it? We strive for comfort and stability. And then God will then come in and cause us to, to want to shake that up a little bit. So that's, that doesn't kind of make sense to us in our mind's eyes. Everything's running so smoothly. Why upset the apple cart? I mean, you can liken the concept of taking risks to a, to a, a baby who's learning her first steps. I mean, just think about that for a minute. For some time, for some time in the baby's young life, it's focused on learning how to stand, right? It'll roll over and then it'll find something to pull itself up on and then it'll, it'll finally get to where it can pull itself up and, and, and stand there, even wobble a little bit, but they're, they're on those two legs and we, we clap for them and we cheer for them and we give them treats and everything else and the grandparents go out and buy them all kind of new toys because they're standing up on their own and, and all that kind of stuff. They, they've been focused on that for so long. The little baby will fall, but she'll get back up again because she's learning to do that. Finally, she'll feel safe and then she'll feel stable on her feet and she'll let go of the coffee table sometimes and she'll kind of just stand there weaving like that. But she's, she's, not, she's holding herself up. But in order to make forward movement, in order to actually walk, she's going to have to disrupt her stance, right? She's going to have to do that. While she works so hard and long to accomplish that, she has to now risk that by voluntarily unbalancing herself. Only then will it be possible for her to take her first step, right? I mean, we've known it, we've watched it, we see it, it's happened to us. That disruption of equilibrium for the sake of forward movement is necessary for growth. That baby might be happy for a long time simply standing in one place. But if that's all she ever did, she would never learn how to walk. And the same is true for us. If the church doesn't take risk, if the church doesn't choose to risk, it will never grow. When we purposely disturb our comfort and our stability for the sake of advancing the kingdom, spiritual growth occurs. When we purposely, intentionally seek the mind of God and act when God tells us what to do, regardless of what that sounds like to us, if we're willing to say, God, I don't know where this is going to end up, but we feel like this is where you want us to be, and God, we're stepping out in faith, and we're going to do that. We're going to be obedient. Then we will see growth occur. Then we will see the irresistibility of the body of Christ really come to be. A church that takes risks is a church that understands that faith is alive. Faith is alive. It's not just something that we put on on Sunday or Wednesday or when we get in a jam. Faith is alive. It is, it is active. Our calling is not to arrive at a destination of stability, but our calling is to travel a pathway of constant growth, of constant transformation. We are growing in our faith, right? I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. We're growing in our faith. We're growing in Christ-likeness. Well, 
We've all grown before. We know what that's like. We have to do something to grow. We have to get outside of our comfort zone to grow. We've got to stretch our minds. We have to stretch our bodies. We've got to stretch our, our resources, whatever God has blessed us with and gifted us with. We've got to stretch that to grow. And that's what, that's what we're called to do as the, as, as the children of God. We're called to grow. We're not called to find a place of stability and just be static there forever. Otherwise, we'll never, we'll never grow. In order to live by faith, we have to be willing to disturb the equilibrium in our lives. We have to be willing to stand up and, and wobble a little bit so that we can move forward. But here's the caveat. The risk must always be in response to the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We can't just do something just for the sake of being new. We can't just do something just for the sake of, of, of satisfying uh, a, a, you know, a group that may want to, you know, to take us in a direction that the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to go. We have got to be grounded as the church. We've got to be grounded as, as the children of God, as a family of believers. We have to be grounded in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Like when the Holy Spirit says, expand. Or the Holy Spirit says, reach this people group. Or venture out using this new program or, or dismantle and, and do away with a, an, old, a, an old program for the sake of greater spiritual impact. Or what about this? When the Holy Spirit says, we need to go here and do this so that we can know Jesus more deeply. So that we can know God in a deeper way. A way that we have never known Him before. That's how we grow when we learn things we've never known before. And God keeps revealing Himself to us. And as He does that, we grow not to say it's not scary, because sometimes growth and movement is scary, right? But we have to understand who it is that holds our hand. We have to understand who it is that leads and guides us. Who it is that sets the challenge before us and then equips us to accomplish that. The same one that always has. The same one that always has. The one who never changes. The one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is who we rely on. That is who we get our strength from. But if we're going to grow, we've got to learn him more and more. And that's kind of what we're talking about here at First Baptist. We're talking about knowing more about Jesus so that we can be more like Jesus and then we can live for Jesus. To do that, we've got to be in motion. Risk is always, though, an act of discipleship. It's an act of loving and serving and worshiping and obeying and following God. Doesn't sound very risky, right? I mean, how, how, let me ask you something, though. I and mean, you may be asking this of yourself. If we're talking about doing something in response to the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit, then how do we know, how do we discern the leading of God in those matters? Well, as a foundational matter, all risk-taking must be in alignment with the principles found in God's Word. If leadership wants to take you someplace that they cannot... Find, and you in searching cannot find in the Word of God, then I think it's something we can take a look at. Everything we do ought to be founded in God's Word. Now, I'm not saying that God, the, the, the Word of God is not going to, you're not going to open up to a book and it's going to say, you need to go X, Y, Z and do X, Y, Z. 
But the Word of God is instructive. The Word of God is leading. The Word of God is, is active in our lives, and that is the way God communicates with us. And God, we, a, a church, a person, a Christian should never do something that is contrary to the Word of God. Never. Never. God will never call us to risk in an area he has clearly, in which He has clearly established a boundary. God's never going to take you outside His boundaries. He will never act contrary to his nature, and he will never call us to either. So that's a way that we can uh, grow in discernment is, is understanding the role of the Word of God in leading us, in, in, in guiding us, in forming us. And once a leading is confirmed as being aligned in Scripture, the specific leading of the Holy Spirit is discerned intuitively. I know that's going to be kind of shaky and sketchy for some folks, but, but it's... it's it's determined intuitively. And what does that type of intuition feel like? You know, a lot of people say, I just really feel God leading me in this way. Well, that's, you know, that's your intuition talking. What, is, what does it feel like? Well, that's where the relationship of Christ comes to bearing on the decisions that we make. Sometimes the Holy Spirit moves us forward by allowing us to feel uncomfortable where we are. Sometimes we just feel like we need to be doing something else. We need to be heading in a direction. We need to be growing more. We need to be doing more. That's, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's Him guiding you and leading you. You have a, a restlessness, a longing for something more. If you're listening today and you are seeking for something new in your life, is something telling you that there's more to life than what you're living? That there's more than what you're doing? Christian, believer. Is the Holy Spirit talking to you about what you're doing in your life? What the church needs to be doing? Is there a restlessness there? So sometimes the Holy Spirit moves us forward by allowing us to feel uncomfortable where we are. Sometimes... The Holy Spirit places within us a, a deep desire to work with a, a specific people group or, or have a, a ministry or a region or, or something like that. Just a, a burning desire. I was talking to a, a, a couple this week who are, are going through the process of going on to the foreign mission field. And I asked them, I said, what, why, how, why do you feel like God is, is calling you to foreign missions? And what they said, they gave several reasons, but the, but the one overarching reason, the, the umbrella under which they all fall, all those other reasons fell, was this. God has burdened me for this people group. God has burdened me for this ministry. God has, has overwhelmed me with, a, with a, a vision of need. And He's given me a passion to help meet that need. In the name of Christ. So maybe we've been, maybe he's, he's put in us a deep desire to work with folks. I know that there are folks in this, in this church that, are, are, that have a deep desire to work with young people. Disadvantaged, marginalized, they have a deep desire to do that. There are folks in this church that have a burning desire to work with, with a women's ministry, to give, to give the, the, the ladies in our church an opportunity to gather and to, to study God's Word and to do things together. There are folks here that are burdened about a men's ministry, doing something to get the guys together and having folks come in to talk about what it means to be a godly husband, a godly father, a godly man. 
These are things that the Holy Spirit gives us to help us continue to grow as people and as a church. We have a heart to reach someone. Is it the homeless? We have a heart to reach somebody, to minister in areas in our community and around the world. Sometimes unlikely events occur in our lives that seem coincidental. Maybe that's how the Holy Spirit will deal with you in, in a particular area. There's just some things like a phone call out of the blue. A letter. Y'all, that's where people write things on paper and put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and put it in the mailbox. People still do that. Maybe you're struggling with something. And I know this has happened in my own life and it's happened in my ministry. You're struggling with something. And just out of the blue, somebody calls. And they say exactly what you need to hear. May not be what you want to hear. But they say exactly what you need to hear. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in opportunities where the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart. I believe He'll place people in, in front of you who will offer good godly wisdom if you're looking for it. Some people are uncomfortable with that intuitive side of our relationship with God. It just feels too subjective. I mean, we want a formula. We want a plan that we can follow. Something that's guaranteed. We just want something that's guaranteed. But the Lord calls us to sense His presence intuitively in accordance with His Scripture. The Lord calls us to do that. He wants us to deeply connect with Him every single day when we pray, when we study, and God speaks to us. That's why our daily times of Bible reading and prayer and reflection are absolutely indispensable as individuals. Also, why regular times of corporate prayer, and I can't wait until we're able to come back together again and, and, and pray together corporately as a church body because it's crucial. As we seek, as we seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, as we seek God's, God's direction and purpose for us, and we come together to do that, I mean, that is just a powerful, powerful time of prayer. A risk-taking church must base her guidance on a genuine relationship to Jesus Christ. We can't fake it. We can't say we're listening to Jesus if we're not. Because the truth will always come out. You cannot fake authenticity. And we have to be authentic in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it goes without saying that not every risk we take for the Lord is guaranteed to turn out like we hope, right? But if we refuse to take risk, we will never know if God has spoken or led. We will never know. If we move forward with a pure heart out of a relationship with Jesus Christ and we have not ascertained His will correctly then two things will happen. I believe two things will happen. Number one, God is still pleased with our actions because we've moved forward in obedience. And number two, Romans 8.28 comes into play. Y'all remember Romans 8.28? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We don't know what that looks like sometimes. 
out of the depths of despair, out of the depths of defeat, out of the depths of, of, of death and mourning, out of, out, of the, out of the depths of questioning, of wondering why bad things happen to good people, of wondering why this has to happen to this family or why this has to happen to this person. God still speaks into our lives. We are still human beings. We are still dealing with the consequence of sin in our life, evil in the world. But God will never stop dealing with us. He will never stop leading and teaching and guiding. Never. Never. Other times, a, a different result may come because God's definition of success or God's definition of effectiveness can look so much different than how we imagined it. Right? We, we look at a program or we look at a ministry, we look at something that we're doing and whether, you know, and we look at, we try to measure, we use metrics to measure its effectiveness and, and whether or not we should continue doing this. But I'm going to tell you something. God's definition of success is so often different than our definition of success. God's definition of what is effective is so much different than what our definition of, of effective would be. When God is in it, listen, when God is in it, God will see to the results. I was talking just the other day about William Carey and about the fact that, and he's not the only one, but he's just probably the most famous. But when he went on the mission field, he labored for seven years. Seven years he labored without a single convert. There had to be times where in his heart of hearts, he said, this is too hard. I can't do this. I'm not effective. No one is, no one's coming to you, Lord. And there had to be times where, where God picked him up. And he said, you are doing the work that I have called you to do. Sometimes we'll witness to people and they won't accept Christ right away. And we'll say, I don't know what I did wrong. How did I mess this up? Well, our job is to witness. Our job is to take the message of the gospel out there. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Okay? So we need to be about the business of doing what we have been called to do and not worrying about the results because God has the results. God has the results. Remember his words in Isaiah 55, 11, So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God is saying, leave the results to me. I will take care of that. I will handle that. You do what you've been called to do. You be obedient. You be faithful. The goal is not to... The goal is to be faithful. It's not to see a specific result. The goal is not to see risk as, well, risky. That's kind of one of our goals, is, is to see risk as not risky. I know that doesn't make much sense from an earthly perspective, but to God who specializes in the impossible, it's not risky at all. It is simply us exercising our faith. The result is turning what we perceive as risk into an exercise in audacious faith. So how do we do that? Well, 
church growth visionary, and Wayne Cordero is also a pastor, identifies five steps we can take, and I'll go over those with you if we want to be an irresistible church. Number one, we get, need to begin every risk with the word imagine. What if we did that? What if we took a look at what needs to be done in this community or, or in this state or, or around the world, and we said, imagine what could happen at this. Allow ourselves to see the possibility of what could be. Don't give in to fearing the unknown. What if we said, just imagine what can happen if we do this? And then you shape that dream by seeing the potential. You look at what you need. You look at what you have, the facilities, the leaders, the resources. What has God marshaled already for us to do something? Then we enlist a team of faith champions. Every one of us has got a role to play. If we're going to move forward, every one of us has got a role to play. They're doers, they're prayers, they're payers. Everybody has got something to do. So we enlist that team. We put that team together. And then this, we develop a bias for action. We develop a bias for action. Certainly there's wisdom in patience and prudence. And I'm not saying that there's not. But somewhere along the line, we have to kick it into gear. Somewhere along the line, we've got to quit analyzing and, and start doing. We have to say yes, take the risk, throw our hearts over the line and just do it. We've got to do that. And then once we do that, we've got to stay the course. We have to stay the course. Continually reflect, continually reevaluate, prepare ourselves for difficult seasons in life, but stay committed. I read somewhere that commitment is staying true to a worthy decision long after the emotion of having made that decision has passed. We stick with it and aim for a big harvest. I find great comfort when I turn to Matthew 13 and read the story about the parable of the sower. And, and it's, it's, you know that the sower heads out to the field intending to sow a really large crop. And he scatters the, soil, the, the seed into the soil and some lands on the path and some lands in the rough soil. Uh, in shallow soil and some in weedy soil and, and some on the good ground. And as time passes and when he reaps that crop, only one out of the four soils produces. And you're thinking to yourself, man, one out of four, 25%. That is not good odds. But the good news is the Bible tells us also that the small percentage of the crop that flourishes more than makes up for the loss. Mark 4.20 says, and those who are the ones... And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. As Christians, our call is to sow lots of seed and take lots of risks. That's what our calling is to do. Listen, if we want a big harvest tomorrow, we've got to scatter tons of seeds today. Not all of the ground will produce and we don't want to conserve seed. And it's not ultimately about us, though. It's about God and what God will do. Remember Paul's words in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. We're aiming for a big harvest and we want to take a big risk. Maybe your risk today is giving your heart to Jesus. You think that's a risk, but it's not. There are people, there are billions of people who have done that. They've come before you, and they're the, they're the great cloud of witnesses that have come before you. Maybe you say, I just can't give it all up. God is saying, give it to me. Trust me with the results of that decision. Don't be afraid. I'll give you what you need. The strength, the peace, the courage, the passion. I'll give that to you.
if you'll give it to me to handle. Give it to me. Maybe your risk, if you're already a believer, your risk is branching out into some new area of ministry. Maybe God has called you or you feel God's leading you to some place that you've never been before to do something that you've never done before and didn't think you could do. Listen, search for God. And if God is putting that desire and that burden on your heart, then you need to do it. You can't not do it. God will give you what you need. He will provide. He will supply. He will encourage and empower. Give that to Him. We're going to have a lot of opportunities as we begin to reopen, to re-examine what we do. Are we effective? As individuals, as Christians, and as a church, we're going to have the opportunity to kind of take a look and see, is, are we heading where God wants us to go? Are we doing where God, what God wants us to do? Are we trying to be where God wants us to be? And sometimes, if the answer to that question is no, and God starts to pivot us and take us into a different direction, our our first instinct is to kind of step back and crawfish a little bit and say, okay, wait, wait a minute now, wait a minute now, we can't, can't do that. But God is saying, be passionate, be bold, be faithful. I will be faithful to you, God is saying. You be faithful to me. I will take you where I want you to be if you will be obedient to go. It's a risky business but it's the business to which we've been called. Father, I just thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for the way that you give us strength to do the things that we don't think we could do. God, I just love that about you, that we don't call, you don't call us to do things and, and, and wonder why or how we're going to do it. God, you know how we're going to do it. We're going to do it because you're going to lead us. And God, I just pray that if there is somebody who is struggling with you right now, God, there's someone who's struggling with the Holy Spirit, I said, I just, I just can't take that step. I just can't take that step in faith. I, I don't know what to do. God, I just pray that you will speak to their heart. That you will provide in them the courage to say, yes, I will live for Jesus Christ. I see that he died for me. I know it's real to me now in a way that it never was. I want to do that. God, I just pray that lives will be changed because we're willing to step out in faith. Things that seem so risky to us are not risky to you. You've got it. Lord, give us the strength to be obedient, to be faithful, and just to step out there and say, not my will, but thine be done. In Jesus' name.